<laughs> He's gone. No, <laughs> we really don't want that activity to cause by Pastor here. Well, Marie sometimes does, but only on special occasions. <laughs> but when people just say Pastor Wesley or call us Pastor Tommy, we're like, Anyway, so this morning, we're going to talk about the fear of man, and this has been on my heart all week for us today, so I'm going to just jump in because I have two pages of notes, and one page usually takes me a long time, so um, I'm going to try to keep, <laughs> keep to, oh no, keep to the point here. Um, we're starting off in Proverbs 29, verse 25. So you can look, you can listen. We're going to be spending a lot of our time in Mark 6 as well. But in Proverbs 29, verse 25, it says, The fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. The fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. So there's a lot of Proverbs and a lot in the Old Testament specifically that talk about the fear of man being a snare, a trap. It's something that binds us. It, it alludes to captivity. And I know that it's something I've dealt with a lot in my life. I still continue to deal with it, and I have to fight against it, right? The Lord and the Holy Spirit shows me where I function in the fear of man, fear of rejection. When we say fear of man, it's saying that we are afraid of what people think about us, and so it holds us captive in the things that we say and in the things that we do. Because I'm so afraid of what you think about me, I'm going to tame my tongue, I'm going to do only certain things, I'm only going to act a certain way around you, I'm only going to preach a certain message, I'm only going to live a certain way because I'm afraid of what you think, or I'm afraid of what people think about me. I'm only going to pick certain worship songs, I'm only going to do a certain style because I'm afraid of what people think. Right? These are just some examples in my own life where I've given in to the fear of man because I was afraid of being rejected by people. Really, it comes down to this place of insecurity in us that's that we are saying, I need to be accepted, I need to be valued by people. And so because I'm looking for that in the people around me, I, t I tend to give in to the fear of man. So I want to look at two examples today. There's plenty of examples in the Bible but we're going to look at two specific ones where there was a king who gave in to the fear of man and it ended terribly for him. And then there was a king who did not give in to the fear of man and it resulted in eternity for us, right? So we're going to first look in 1 Samuel chapter 15. I feel like I have a smartphone. Sorry. 1 Samuel chapter 15, starting in verse 1. So this is talking about King Saul. And we know that Saul was anointed by God, right? That that when the prophet came, he saw Saul and he knew he stood ahead above all the rest. And the prophet Samuel said, you're the one that God has anointed to be king over Israel. Now, that was a huge calling, right? When you think of being pointed out by a prophet today, when someone highlights you and says, you're going to be this awesome thing, you're like, Wow, I'm awesome. Some reason God picked me, right? But but Saul came from like not the greatest family. It wasn't this prominent family. So he gets picked by God out of his lowly, humble circumstances to become king. Wow. 
um, and he's afraid of it at first. So now we're, we're coming into part of his kingship. And in 1 Samuel 15, it says, Then Samuel, who is the prophet, said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you as king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he set himself against him on the way while he was coming up from Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and utterly destroy all that he has and do not spare him. These are very clear instructions. Destroy all that he has. Do not spare him, but put to death both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So then Saul summoned the people and numbered them. Foot soldiers, men of Judah, came to the city of Amalek and set an ambush in the valley. So it looks like he's obeying the word of the Lord. Saul said to the Canaanites, go depart, go down from among the Amalekites so that I do not destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to the sons of Israel. So the Kenites departed. So Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as uh, a bunch of words. He captured Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive. First disobedience. And utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good. And were not willing to destroy them utterly, but everything despised and worthless, they utterly destroyed. So we see a major disobedience here. Samuel the prophet comes to Saul and says, The Lord was the one, God, over all things, anointed you as king. And this commandment he's giving to you, because this people came against his people, go destroy them, everything. What does Saul do? He goes and he puts aside the king and saves everything that's good and destroys everything else. Samuel, obviously being a prophet, finds out about it. God speaks to Samuel. Samuel didn't know because someone told him other than that God showed him that Saul had not obeyed. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. This is verse 10. I regret that I have made Saul king. For he has turned back from following me and has not carried out my commands. Samuel was then distressed and cried out to the Lord all night. Samuel rose in the morning to meet Saul, and it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel. Oh, how about that? Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself, then turned and proceeded on to Gilgal. Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have carried out the command of the Lord liar but Samuel said what then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear Saul said they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God but the rest we utterly destroyed so he he kind of makes this spiritual excuse for what he's done oh don't worry we saved them so we could make a sacrifice to God doesn't God love sacrifices? Doesn't he tell us we need sacrifices, the perfect? So we, we actually spared the best in order to sacrifice. Isn't he going to be pleased? Samuel goes on to say, let me tell you what the Lord tell, told me last night, verse 17. 
Is it not true, though you were little in your own eyes, you were made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed you as king, and the Lord sent you on a mission. Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are exterminated. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord, but rushed upon the spoil and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord? Then Saul said to Samuel, I did obey the voice of the Lord. And I went on the mission on which the Lord sent me and have brought back Agag, the king, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took some of the spoil. So now he's blaming the people. The choicest of the things devoted to destruction, to this sacrifice to the Lord your God. Samuel then says, has the Lord as much delight in burnt offering and sacrificing as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. Go on to verse 24. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have indeed transgressed the command of the Lord in your words, because I feared the people and listened to their voice. Because I feared the people. So he had a list of excuses, but what it came down to, what he had to repent of, was the fear of man taking him off mission. God had given him a specific mission to accomplish. And because people complained to him and said, why can't we do this, this, and this? He was not enough, a strong enough leader to say, no, the Lord said this. I don't care what it looks like. Obedience is better than anything else. I don't care what it looks like to anybody. I will not be offended at what God has called us to do. We will accomplish it. But because he didn't and he gave in to the fear of man, the kingdom gets stripped from him. Authority gets stripped from him. God says, I regret putting Saul as king. Now, that's a pretty weighty thing to say, but it's showing us the weight in the Lord's heart for the fear of man versus the fear of the Lord. This is something that you should live in. It's not, a, it's not a thing that we're like, oh, I'm afraid of God. No, I live in fear and reverence, awe that he is God. What he says to do, I will do no matter what it looks like, no matter what anyone else says, I'm going to speak what he's telling me to speak. I'm going to do what he's calling me to do, period. So many of us in the church deviate from the mission because of the fear of man. And we get wrapped up in people and in their expectations and in their opinions on us. And then it captivates us and we don't fulfill what God has called us to fulfill. We get stripped of our spiritual authority because of the fear of man. That is not what we want. So the example that we want is Mark chapter 6. And there's many more, but Jesus obviously is the greatest example. And this was so, such an awesome passage. Mark 6, verses 1 through 6. Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Jesus went out from there and came into his hometown, and his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and the many listeners were astonishing. Where did this man get these things, and what is this wisdom, wisdom given to him in such miracles as these performed by his hands? 
Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, and among his own relatives, and in his own household. And he could do no miracle there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he wondered at their unbelief, and he was going around the villages teaching. Wow, this is an incredible passage. Jesus shows up in his hometown. You'd think, wow, this is great. He's going home. How good does it feel when you've been away from home to go home? You're like, oh, my family's there, my relatives, my friends. I get to go home. Jesus shows up, and he's ridiculed by the people closest to him. And they say, who is this carpenter? Isn't he the son of so-and-so? Don't we know his whole family? Why does he think he's so special? Now, was, was there lack of faith preventing Jesus from doing a miracle? Does our lack of faith tell God he can't do something? No, obviously, because if it did, that means I could muster up. I could just coerce God to do whatever I wanted him to do if I just stirred up enough faith. That's not what faith is about. It's not just like, oh, I, I'm going to believe until I move God's hand. That's not what faith is about. Faith is seeing what God wants to do with his heart and then calling it into being with him. It's in total unison with him. But like we saw in Saul, Saul was offended at what the command of God was. He was offended by it. He gave in to the fear of what people were going to think, and he changed what he was going to do. Well, this in this passage, Jesus shows up. People are offended at him because he's not doing what they're expecting him to do. A little difference. Either we will get offended by the command of God or people will be offended by the call of God on our life. One or the other is going to happen at some point or another. Either we will be offended or there will be some offended at the call of God on our life. And we have to be prepared for that. We have to be steady in the love of God for that. What the people in his hometown wanted for him was for him to do miracles to prove himself. Pro I mean, do you remember people crying out to him on the cross? Prove to us that you're the son of God. Get off the cross. And what does he do? Nothing. Because he was not going to give in to the fear of what people think. Could he have gotten off the cross? Sure. King of all things, king of all the earth, he could have pulled himself off the cross, but he was going after what his father had sent him to do without deviation because he was so settled in the love of God and the mission of God that it did not matter what anybody said against him. Even if they said, we don't believe you're the son of God because of this, that, or the other thing, prove it to us. And he said, nope. I'm not into proving my identity. I am who God says I am, and I will not give in to what you say. I will not give in to the fear of man. I will not give in to the lack of faith and try to prove it to try to stir up your faith. 
I'm not going to prove that God is great because he is great no matter what you say. So I'm not going to try to make a miracle happen. Could Jesus have healed people? Of course he could have. He did some. He could have healed so many people and proven that he was the son of God. He could have, but I think in his silence, he more proved it. In his silence, he showed his security in his identity as the son of the living God, saying, I will not give in to what people think because I'm all about my father's business. It does not matter if you're relatives to me, if you knew me since birth, what matters is what he says about me. The book of Mark, the gospel of Mark is all about this. Mark starts off in chapter 1, verse 1, saying, Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. He is making this declaration through the whole book. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Son of God. And the whole book is to prove this. The whole book centers around Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. So him, in his silence, being like a lamb, led to the slaughter, proving Jesus, Messiah, Son of God, the one who cares what God says about him and not what anyone else. Now that's a hard place to be in. This passage, to me, shows Jesus' strength, not his weakness. It shows his ability, not his inability. You could look at this and say, what? Jesus couldn't heal people? And I said, no, Jesus chose not to heal people. And it showed us his tremendous strength, because if it were me, I'd want to prove. If I was in my hometown, I'd want to prove how awesome I am, because I have fear of man in my heart. I have fear of man in my life. Of course, I'm trying, I'm working with the Lord to be renewed, to be washed, but it it's in me. So if I were in that position, I'd say, oh, watch what I'm about to do. I will show you who's boss. I'm going to cast out the demons. I'm going to heal the sick, and I'm going to do it most in my hometown so they won't underestimate Jesus of Nazareth. They're going to see who I am, but that's not what he did. He, he healed a couple sick people, proving to them what they already thought leaving them in their unbelief. That shows a lot about who our king is. So the fear of the Lord. We see in him this fear of the Lord. I will complete the mission. And each of us have a specific calling on our life. We've received a call from God, a mission from the Lord. We know those things. We're continually learning more about what our call is, what our mission is individually, as a body here, as a corporate community, a family. We're learning more and more. What is the mission? What is God having us do? What is my individual part? In Psalm 112, verse 1, 112 verse 1, it says, praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord and who greatly delights in his commandment. The one who fears the Lord delights in the commandment. 
because unlike Saul, I can hear the command of God and fully obey it, not giving in to what the people say. And that's a, that's a lot of pressure. Saul had an entire nation of people who were saying, hey, let's save the best of the best. You know what Samuel did with the king that was Saul was supposed to kill? He called that king, King Agag. He said, bring him to me. King Agag comes, if you read in that same chapter, he comes arrogantly like, oh, the death is over. You've killed all my people, but I've made it out. What does Samuel do? He grabs a sword and hews, it says, hews him into pieces before the Lord. That is the fear of the Lord. Samuel was in the fear of the Lord. He said, I do not care what anyone else says. The Lord has spoken, and I will fulfill what God has called me to fulfill. Because Saul did not do it, I will do it. And I pray for us today that it will never be said of it, because Wesley did not do it, I have to send someone else. Because Tommy did not accomplish it, I must send somebody else. I pray to God that that will never happen. That what will be said of us is that we stood in the fear of the Lord and accomplished what he said sent us to accomplish. The same for this body. That it wouldn't be said, Crossing Carmel couldn't reach the community. They couldn't do the mission. They couldn't complete the mission. No, that it would be said that they remained faithful no matter what it looked like, and they obeyed. They obeyed. I mean, when I was thinking of the summer festival, I, I confessed to everybody here the fear I had of what it would look like if people didn't show up again or if it rained again. I was awake at night with fear. That was not the fear of the Lord. That was the fear of what it would look like to other people. The fear of looking like a failure. The fear of looking like God didn't come through. Jesus didn't have a fear of looking like God didn't come through with little to no miracles in his hometown. He didn't care because God is who he says he is. It doesn't matter. If he wants to pour out, he'll pour out in the timing that it's right. If he chooses not to, that's up to him. We still pursue and give glory to him in all that we do. It's like the spaghetti dinner that Marie, God put on Marie's heart. She did it. The outcome did not matter. We should always say the outcome does not matter. What we do with the command of God matters. Did we obey? Did we give it our all? And at the end of the day, at the end of the summer festival, if no one shows up, did we give it our all in worship to God? Yes, we did. Success. Period. It should not matter if someone in New Hampshire calls me an uneducated preacher or Tommy an inexperienced drummer minister. That stuff does not matter because before the Lord is where I stand. Who cares what people say about us? If it looks ridiculous with 20 of us here, Duncan Jay in the tank, who cares what it looks like? It's before the Lord of hosts and all of heaven is rejoicing together when we choose to obey rather than sacrifice. When we stand in the fear of the Lord and worship him, then stand in the fear of man and do nothing. This is what we're living for. It must be the motivation of our hearts.
I'm going to end with Jeremiah 17. This is one of my favorite passages of scripture and something I meditate on regularly. Verses 5 through 8. Usually we know this chapter because it says the verse in verse 17 about the heart being deceitful above all else. That's in this chapter. But before this, in verses 5 through 8, it says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind, who makes flesh his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he will be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. Now, this is the the consummation of what we've just been talking about. There's one who puts their trust in man, who looks to man, who fears man, who fears what people say. It says clearly that they will be like a bush in a desert, that even when prosperity comes, they will be dry. That is a weighty thing that should push us into the fear of the Lord and deny all fear of what people think about us. But it says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Even in a time of drought, they bear fruit. That's the difference. When you're in the fear of the Lord, when your trust is in God and you don't care what people think about you, you're not anxious when there's drought. You still bear fruit. You won't fear when the heat comes, but you'll be like a tree planted by the water whose roots go down deep. This is the promise of God for those who pursue the fear of the Lord and reject the fear of man. And that's what we desire. That's what I desire. I crave that more and more. In my earlier years in the Lord, I feared tremendously what people thought about me. I ordered my day accordingly. And outwardly, I looked very spiritual and got a lot of people to like me. It looked outwardly like I was some radical, passionate Christian little girl. Inwardly, I was moved by whatever anyone said about me. I would change what I did accordingly. If you said you didn't like how I led worship, I'd change. If you said that you didn't like a song that I did, I'd never do it again. I would change. I, uh, seriously, and I was so consumed by because I did not want to be rejected. I was so empty on the inside. I did not know the acceptance of God, and so I, I became whoever people wanted me to become. And then I encountered the love of God, and it began to expose this place in me of of going after the acceptance and the approval of men. And I saw that it would be the, the death of me. It would be the death of my walk in the Lord if I were to give in to that, if I would allow that to grow in me, and that I needed to sever it with a knife. 
I needed to go after it with this zeal of the Lord where I hew, like, like P- Prophet Samuel did. He just cut that king to pieces. I needed to, that to be me with the fear of man in me. Cutting it to pieces. Being so confident in my weakness, in my frailty, in who I am, in my flesh, and allowing it all to be seen because the Lord sees me and loves me. And that's all that matters. And we need to be established in that because when revival comes, when these places, when the the communities of faith are flooded with people, we need to be grounded in the love of God so we're not moved by every whim of what people like and don't like. So we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit. We're going to take a minute. I don't know if you could put music on somehow. Just We're going to take just a minute, not, not super long. But we want to a- take time to ask Holy Spirit to expose any place in us still whether it's with our family, whether it's our friends. Maybe we haven't recognized it yet. Maybe we haven't fully seen it, whether it's with our church community even. It could be anywhere, right? And we want him to show it to us so we can be free from it. So we're going to take a minute. I mean, he shows me stuff weekly. I can say pretty confidently, weekly if not every other week, where I function in the fear of man. And it's because I've asked him to. It's because I've said, Lord, please, Rid me of this. Help me. Grace me. I need it. I need it cut out of my life. So there are things. There are things in us. Where do you fear rejection? Where do you fear what people think? Where have you changed to be liked by people, to be accepted by people? And if the Lord brings anything to you, you can write it down, note it, or just pray. Talk it out with him in your heart. This is just between you and him. Because, again, each of us, we're, we're before him. We're before his eyes. So, Father, Holy Spirit, we just welcome you right now to come. We want to be so grounded in your love and in the fear of the Lord that there would be no fear of man, no fear of rejection, no fear of what others think. So search us right now. Search our minds. Search our hearts. Know us. And point out any way in us that's not pleasing to you, any way in us that that concedes to the fear of man, that concedes to fear. Show us, Lord. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see it. Just take a minute.